0: We are in Surah Al Mu'min or oh, Al Ghafir, Surah number forty and Ayah number fifty-nine. أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا وَلَكِنَّ أكثر النَّاسِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continuing the discussion of his Tawheed, uh, his Rububiyyah after saying that those who are blind are not the same as those who are seeing. And those who do good deeds are not the same as those who do bad deeds. Hmm. So those who have Iman know that indeed the hour is coming. There is no shak, there is no raib, and there is no doubt in that the hour, as hmm, it is coming, it is nigh, it is near. But most people do not believe. See, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that if you believe, you'll believe in the hour. Uh, belief requires that you believe in a life after death. Okay. Those who say they believe, they must believe in Allah, in the Rasul, and in the Akhirah. And the Akhirah will be preceded by the final hour. The hour in which the world is destroyed and then recreated. And that hour may be longer than a thousand years. Maybe 50,000 years. Only Allah knows how long that final hour will be. But it is definitely coming. La ريب fihi. There is absolutely no doubt in that reality. It is a reality above all realities as death is the most certain fact of life. As a paradox, that how can death be a certainty for life and in life, But there you go. Jesus says, death is certain, likewise the hour is certain. And once someone dies, they have met their hour. Okay, So your hour begins when you die. Man māta faqad qāmat qiyāmatuhu. Whoever dies, then his qiyamah has already come upon him. That is the beginning. Of Qiyamah for that person. But this requires belief and faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is sometimes very easily forgotten by Muslims and it is easily ignored by non-Muslims. So we believe in what is certain and our creed is based on certainty not on falsehood and not on doubt. So, the Iman, as I said, requires that you believe in everything that is certain. So, just as time itself is certain, hence the word Sa'a is used for Qiyamah throughout the Quran. Qiyamah and Sa'a, they're almost synonymous. So, you see, Sa'a means time, the hour. So, the hour and time itself is certain. Therefore, the end of time is also certain because it is created. Time itself is fani. It is now something that is um, susceptible to destruction and eventually annihilation on the Day of Judgment. So this is now belief. Belief in Allah is the only thing that is going to help you understand and appreciate that you will be resurrected, and you'll be there in front of Allah. <laughs> if that is the case, then you must prepare for that hour, the moment, the time. <laughs> How do you prepare for that? Your Lord says, the one who's raising you, he says, uh, call me and I will respond to you. I will answer you. Uh, supplicate and petition and make dua, I will answer, I will respond, because I am your Lord. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that if you believe in the hour, the final hour, in in death and uh, qiyamah, then you must prepare for that. And the way you prepare for that is that you worship me and you call me. And you get your act together, psychologically, intellectually, spiritually. And if that is the case, then I'll definitely respond to your calls and so on. But it will be based on Allah's sifah, Rabb, rububiyah He's raising you. It won't be the way you want him to respond to you, because then he won't be your Lord. Sometimes he may give us what we request, and sometimes he may not give us exactly what we request, but he will respond, he will answer. Them. As the Prophet ﷺ said about Surah Fatiha, when the servant recites Surah Fatiha in Salat, Allah responds to each ayah that is recited. So there is a dialogue, a conversation. You recite, Allah responds. So Allah always responds, except we don't hear. We're not capable of hearing, and those who are, uh, if they hear, they hear. So each ayah, when the uh, uh, reciter recites in Salat, then Allah responds. So He responds to everyone's call. So that's, uh, Allah is saying that you must believe in me and trust me, and that is the way forward for you, that you submit yourself and you show that you need him. Okay? So Allah wants you to show that you need him. That's the meaning of du'a, that you humble yourself. You know, I need you. So you mustn't become so independent that you don't make du'a. So you must make du'a every time you do salat, whether it's you know, with your hands raised or whether it's through your tongue. You must make du'a to Allah to forgive you and help you and assist you in everything in life. So everything in life it requires that you seek it from Allah, your Lord, the one who's raising you. إِنَّ <inaudible> Indeed, those who are arrogant and refrain away from my worship because of arrogance, indeed they will most certainly enter Jahannam in a very... Humiliated way, the akhirin. So here, Allah is saying that the word dua in the beginning of the ayah is equated with the word ibadah. Yeah, as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, The dua is the kernel, uh, the marrow of ibadah. You have ibadah, and you have inside the ibadah, you have the marrow, and the marrow of ibadah is dua. Uh, That you humble yourself. So here you have certain words here which show you that humility, humbleness, uh, goes against those who are arrogant and proud. You cannot afford to be so proud that you don't make du'a. Obviously, there's a a very almost Protestant, uh, and may even more than Protestant, very materialistic approach to Allah among certain groups of Muslims, Why should I make du'a for Allah when he already knows what I want (laughs) and what I need? So that's not the point. The point is you humble yourself and you say, Allah, I need you to help me do this. Otherwise, you see the word waddakhireen, that you will be humiliated on the day of judgment in front of everybody for not making du'a. So the idea is humbleness. The idea is Humility. And the idea is that you show and express your humbleness and humility through your physical behavior, not just mentally. Islam is not mental. When you accept Islam, you have to testify verbally to show people you are Muslim. That's called the shahada testimony. You have to testify verbally, physically, in front of people, not in your closet that you stay in your closet and you assume you are Muslim. Islam requires exposure uh, by which there is transparency. So transparency means you are inside what you are outside, what you are outside what you are inside. So if you do not believe that you need to ask Allah for anything, then you have been very arrogant about it. Yes, Allah knows, but that the point, Allah is not the one being tested. You are. Uh, so Allah, you can't test Allah, Allah already knows what I want. The, the point is Allah is testing you. Do you want to ask him whether yeah, you want him to help you or not? That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, Ask Allah for everything, even though maybe the straps of your sandals show that humility. Yeah, then you go and buy the sandals or the straps. <laughs> ask him first. Yeah, so this is the, the height of human All Prophets were humble in front of Allah. So if they were sick, they would make dua to Allah. And they would seek cure to show the humbleness and the rule of cause and effect. There's a cause and there's an effect. So they have to show that there is a cause for my cure. And that may be my dua. That may be my taking medicine. That may be my preventive measures that I'm taking, whatever. So the humbleness goes a long way towards ibadah, and Allah has created us for his ibadah. So this has to be expressed and manifest through the physical body, not just mentally. Islam is not in the mind. Islam is expressed outwardly. That's why your salat is outward, your fasting is outward, your zakat is outward, your hajj is outward, and your shahadatain they're outward. They're not inward, they're not batin, they're not inner, uh, they're not esoteric, they are exoteric. You know, so the exoteric manifestation of Islamic rules, regulations, rites, rituals, and especially du'a becomes necessary if you are to seek Allah's Fadl his rahmah, and you are to enter Jannah. If you don't do that, then say, you may end up like these people. God forbid, that they will enter the fire. So here we see Iman, faith, has to be expressed through physical manifestation of faith and not just the mental recognition. Or you write in a nice essay or book, Islam is beautiful. That's not good enough. You have to do much more. And it's every day. It's 24-7, just as you need food every day. You need this every day. Just as you need sleep every day, you need this every day. So it's every day of the year. Allah yeah. the yeah begins to discuss some of the ayat and signs of his creation and some of his favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not just a tyrant dictator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually does everything for you and what does he do? These are some of the things that Allah does for you. Allah is the one who has made for you the night so that you may seek uh, solemnness and solitude and tranquility in it that the night is made for this that you seek peace and tranquility in it and that he has made the day for you a means of seeing and obviously now through this neon light that we have everywhere on the planet today night and day become the same but the night is exclusively for seeking peace it goes with nature, nature means the sun is down, and you don't have any heat, you don't have any natural, you don't have any light except for the moonlight if it comes. That's only a few days of the the month, but the the, the night then is the natural backdrop for peace and tranquility, where people should seek sukkun at night and not activity at night, hmm. uh, which is now destroyed by the. Industrial revolution, all the blessings of the industrial revolution meant that we have destroyed nature. Uh, Otherwise, we were okay. (laughs) Um, I mean, we're here in this dark hall because of the neon light and the industrial revolution. So so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we have to be uh, aware of what Allah is saying here. What Allah is saying here is that the night is made to seek sukoon, yeah, to seek well, uh, tranquility and peace. So there must be a large portion of the night in which you rest. Okay. That is how the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam is, that you rest at night and you work in the day. That's the natural order. This ayah makes no sense today to anybody. As I said, the night and day are the same. You're kidding, you go to Muslim countries, they don't sleep until 2 in the morning. Oh, and they don't wake up until 12. And that's why they are not doing what they're supposed to do. Anyway, but if they just applied this ayah as Allah's fadl and as a way of life, Okay, then they would uh, gain from the sukoon that dawns upon them at night. Okay, the sukoon that is natural comes upon you only at night because there's no sukoon in the day. In the day, there's activity. <inaudible> Even for the Prophet ﷺ, Allah said that you have a very tall and long swim and activity in the day. And at night, you seek sukkun through ibadah, uh, through zikr, through Qur'an, through sleeping, through resting, and whatever it is that you want to do uh, at night. So, anyway, so I'm saying is that sukoon and the night go together. You won't find sukoon when the sun is its brightest. nahar mm. And the daylight so that you may see. So obviously, as, I, as I said, this has changed drastically dramatically for us over the past 200 years, and that we don't need the sun in order to see anymore. You can go into Alaska and still live very comfortably with all the lights that you have at your you know, your, your, your service. Um, Indeed, Allah is a very bountiful and gracious towards people أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ لَا But most people, they simply do not appreciate the law of nature, in this case, for us. As it relates to us nowadays, this لَا refers to the laws of nature. That we don't appreciate the laws of nature. We don't understand that if you actually seek sukoon at night, you'll find it. And instead, we seek sukoon in the day where you won't find it. This is the meaning of shukr here. As it applies to us, the Qur'an, obviously, applies to different people at different levels and different times and different contexts. It's very versatile, the ayat of the Qur'an. are Very versatile, they all apply differently. But the meaning will not change in the sense that you can distort the actual words and the meanings in the words. the, the the application of this IFRS will be that uh, perhaps uh, you know the <laughs> I'm not saying you should become totalitarian, but maybe the, the government should shut off all the lights after twelve midnight and go to sleep. <laughs> well, where does your where will your factories go? Where will your productivity go? Where will all this go? There you go. Then you can. Have a fight with the economists and everybody else in the world. See how that works. But this is the nature. This is the natural law. This is Allah's doing. In Allah, Allah is the one who does this. Now, if you mess with that, then fine. You might get some benefit in terms of capital and money and wealth or whatever. But you won't get the natural benefit of sukoon and whatever else that comes with it. Yeah, so there's a question of lifestyle. You sleep early and you wake up early. That's the rule of the Sunnah. And if uh, Muslims understand this, then they'll be obviously a hundred times much, a hundred times more productive than they than perhaps they already are. Wallah alam. That is your Lord. That is Allah your Lord. I mean, this. Allah is the one who has made the night for this reason and the day for this reason. He is your Lord. That is Allah, your Lord, the one who raises you, the one who knows what to do with you, the no one who knows, khaliqa kulli shay, creator of everything, the the one who knows how to create, what to create, when to create, and so on. Hmm. khaliqa kulli shay, he creates everything. Hmm. So Allah creates everything, He has an order in mind, He has a nizam, a system in mind, He has rules and regulations in mind, He has natural laws in mind, uh, meaning Allah's divine understanding, and so on. So here we see that, kulli la ilaha that there is no one there except Allah, uh, there is no God there except He. Fa anna how then can you then fabricate against Allah and turn away from Him and so on? So these are the uh, some of the proofs of Tawheed that Allah is establishing His being the Creator of everything by explaining to us the function of what He creates, which is another method of uh, addressing. Allah's Tawheed. What is the function? What is the role of Allah's creation? Allah has created everything. So everything is now Allah's creation. But what is the function of this, this and that? So that function is predetermined by Allah. La ilaha illahu. There is no God besides him. That's what is meant there. What is meant is that there is no one there who decides and determines the value and the nature and the peculiarities and the attributes and the sifat of what he creates except he. He is the only one who predetermines all this. So he is the one who has determined that water has this function and he alone has determined that fire has this function because he creates everything. So only the one who creates is the one who is able to determine the function. And once you submit to that, that is your Islam. If you don't submit to that, then you're not a Muslim. So you can't use water for something that is not created for. And you can't use fire for something that is not created for. So if you use water for force and destructive force, or you use fire for destructive force and everything else for destructive force, that is not the function meaning it's there in its uh, ability to uh, harm but it should not be done so because there's only Allah there who is now the uh, the the lord the uh, the deity so how can you turn away from Allah's rules and regulations and then disturb nature and then distort nature and then use nature against every reason why it was created in the first place. Mm. So that's what this is. Obviously, it goes towards everything that is wrong in this world today, that uh, the uh, unfortunate capitalist mode of making more and more money means that you distort everything uh, that you have in front of you. And with that distortion comes the lack of sukun. Then comes anger and frustration and greed and pride and then fights and wars. Wars, unfortunately, are usually fought for economic reasons, not necessarily just for political reasons. (laughs) Man's craving for money and wealth simply based on distorting the natural resources of the world or monopolizing the natural resources of the world and so on. And then obviously the rules of uh, equity and economic justice, where everybody should have a share in Allah's creation <clears throat> according to their abilities and capacities, but nobody should be deprived of the basic needs of life if you are part of that country, and so on. So this is Allah, who is your Lord, He is the creator of everything, and there is no Ilah, there is no God or deity besides him, how can you then turn away from whatever he has pre-decided for you? In terms of how to use, manage, and then regulate the, uh, the natural resources at your disposal. Yeah. So this is how we, we say that these, these are uh, ayat that speak of Allah's Tawheed, Allah's Oneness. If you submit to Allah's uh, method, and Allah's rules, then you will be with peace, and you will have Islam, which eventually gives you peace, and you're in sync with nature. But if you don't, uh, you will end up, as the ayat will just say in a moment. Thus and likewise, those who rejected Allah's ayat, they turned away. And they uh, fabricated lies against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by saying, No, in the name of the Lord, we are doing this. In the name of the Lord, we will rape and plunder. And in the name of justice and whatever to save uh, human beings from becoming barbaric and uncivilized, we will do this, this, and that. And that the total destruction of humanity as we know it. Mm. Um, so, who, who does this? Who does this? Uh, Those who reject and refuse to believe and accept Allah's ayat, Allah's signs, that they don't necessarily understand. They don't understand. They do understand but they reject them. They see this as God's mercy and providence, but they distort it, or they monopolize it, and they misuse it, and they abuse the ayat of Allah, and they end up uh, causing havoc and destruction throughout the land and throughout the earth and so on. So it's a lesson for us to understand the big picture of the world as we live in it today, the Uh, what is then the onus of the reader? The onus of the reader is not to be duped by modern day science and technology and everything else. Uh, You must see, okay, Uh, do we need so many gadgets in our lives to find (laughs) sukoon? And the answer is no, we probably don't need any gadget to find sukoon. So why do we have these gadgets? Mm, That's the first onus. That everybody who's a consumer must appreciate that consumerism destroys the human fabric. Never mind uh, anyone else. Uh, In the household, mashallah, 30 years ago we would sit down and have conversations and have dinner together. Now we have smartphones. Smartphones. So we don't look at each other, we don't talk to each other, we don't discuss anything, we don't even eat with each other. While we're eating, we the smartphone. The dumbest thing that man created is a smartphone. You see how, how this becomes There's no sukoon. You're looking for sukoon in the smartphone because you don't find sukoon, or you don't want to find sukoon in the conversation with your parents or your siblings or the family members. And everybody has it in their left hand. And Hamla, we still eat with the right hand. Well, in the left hand is occupied, and the right hasn't occupied. Well, consumerism is the the, uh, the disease or cancer that has unfortunately broken down human fabric. It's not just us; obviously, the whole world. You go to third world countries; they they are just as bad as we are here in this country, but the, these, the, the, the people who then uh, control and market and then exploit the uh, sensitivities of people, meaning that they create a sense through vanity that you need this, it's all vain vanity. Uh, can I give my kid a smartphone? Because if I don't give my kid a smartphone, she'll be or he'll be seen as a misfit in the class and in the school. So you give them a smartphone and they become dumb. Totally un- antithetical <laughs> to the whole idea of what a human being should be and so on. We used to memorize phone numbers. <sighs> I I could run run off even today the phone numbers I memorize. But now the smartphone came and your memory is no longer used. It's not used at all. You tell a kid to memorize the phone number. What? I got a smartphone. So even, the, even intellectually it makes you dumb. Consumerism is based on the capitalist need to drive the economy and to make money and wealth and all of that and then that includes exploitation of the human mind and psyche. And the people are just psychologically mesmerized and they're just stunned basically. And they go about their lives as if they are chicken without heads. And that's how life is. So this meaning of yajhadoon, those who deny and those who reject. Uh, they, they don't see what Allah is saying here. Uh, so I'm saying is that there has to be some, some curbing of consumerism in the Muslim Ummah if the Muslim Ummah is to read this ayah or ayat like these ayat, they won't understand the meaning. Unless you appreciate that you are living in a false world. You're living in a very vain world. You're living in a very cosmetic world, artificial. So that that is something that we must appreciate. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ilaha illahu. There's no Allah. There's no God besides him. He's already told you how to live your lives then the onus is for the individual Muslim to at least appreciate what I'm saying, and that will be the lowest level of Iman. At least appreciate, okay, this is wrong, I'm part of it, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but at least I know in my heart, and I can speak about other people, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, so when you get a kind of critical mass of uh, 50,000, 100,000 people thinking this way, then eventually you might do something. But if no one's thinking this way, then it'll just become worse. Yeah, the pit will become deeper and so on. Anyway, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues to give us insights and evidence of who he is. Allah ladhi ja'ala lakumul arda samaa binaa See how Allah has created everything for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one. Who has made the earth for you a place of rest and stability. Hmm. There's a stable place. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the earth stable, although it's spinning, rotating on its axis, it's moving, but despite that, the rules of gravity and the whatever, the rules of physics and the the, the the gravitational pulling of the planets etc due to the earth it's allowed the earth to be a place where you can rest uh, where you can do things and god forbid uh, if there's an earthquake then we can't do things if the earth shakes then uh, you can't do anything so because the earth is a place where there is no shaking Alhamdulillah, inshaAllah. Then you will see that this is Allah's fadl and Allah's ni'mah, Allah's rahmah. That although the earth is spinning on its axis, we don't feel it. Uh, because we don't feel it, we're able to do things. Had we felt it, we would not be able to do anything. So this now Allah's fadl. Who does this? Allah does this. And scientists don't do this. Yeah, the bureaucrats don't do this. The politicians don't do this. The military don't. They, they all benefit from this phenomenon that the Earth is a place where everything is stable, and you can operate on the Earth even though it's moving. It's a huge enigma from Allah Subhanahu Obviously, a day will come when the Earth will start to move globally. Allah save us. Uh, from witnessing that day. At the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the sky for you, a canopy, uh, a building, um, that you have a natural shelter and a natural roof on top of you. That The sama is a building without any pillars, without any columns, uh, and so on. So how can you have this gigantic place where you live and uh, there is no roof and there is no there is no column, there is no pillar for the roof. So the sky itself is a roof which has been mentioned elsewhere, and the earth itself is a place where you sit and eat and you rest and you sleep and you run and you do all the activities on earth while the sky is above you as a means of shelter for you from anything else that comes out from space, uh, the sky is protecting you, okay. as we all know, so this is a huge ni'mah from Allah Allah is the one who does this, so human beings must appreciate that their Lord, who is Allah, is the one who's created the earth and the sky, so that you may live and then benefit from life this way, and then he has fashioned you, he has now giving you a certain picture and then what a great picture, an excellent form he's given you. Okay. سوركم, that everyone's surah, everyone's form and everyone's picture is different, uniquely different from each other, but yet you recognize each other and you distinguish each other and you are pulled towards each other based on the surah, based on the form and the figure and the face. And that is how life works. Allah is the one who has done this for you. Otherwise, the form could have been the form of something else, another animal. So the ability of Allah to create this diversity and create human beings with the best of forms is a sign of his Tawheed, of his oneness, of his abilities, of his powers, his knowledge and everything else as so a human being since Adam and Hawa that when they came to earth and then they, they, they procreated every child is different okay. although the DNA is the same but the form and the figure and the shape and the, the, the face is going to be very very different so you have multiplicity Okay, you have multitudes of forms and faces and surah pictures that you can identify and uh, everybody identifies everyone through the surah through the form and through the figure but they must see beyond that and say that who is the one who does this so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who does this the one who gives form Allah is the one who gives form okay so the form of a, a, what do you call it a donkey and the form of a horse are very different. The form of a dog and the form of a pig are very different. The form of a spider and the form of an ant is very different. So likewise, within the species, each individual of the species is different. All right, so I'm sure the animals recognize each other also through their forms and through their smell and whatever. But they're their means of identification and then human beings, as I said, they recognize each other just by uh, their form, their figure, their face, and everything else. So Allah is the one who has done all this for you. This is an amazing feat which no one thinks of. You just take God for granted. Okay, fine. He created us and that's the end of the story. <laughs> Sit down and think how he has created you. Just sit down and just think, first of all, the variety of creation, that is mind-boggling. You can't even enumerate those. You can't compute those. They're beyond computation. And then the definition of each creation, and then the definition within the definition of each creation. And now, obviously, you know much more than I do about it, that everyone's fingerprints are different. (laughs) There's always going to be some gene in a human being that differentiates him or her from the other. And everything that becomes a differentiated, post-species. And so within the species, there are points of differentiation. At the same time, there's a point of tawheed. And what is that? Allah is the one who does this. This multiplicity comes from one. One creates multiple. Allah is one and he creates multiple. So you worship the one, you don't worship the multiple, which is what the shirk is. And the shirk is that you worship the different forms and figures and different uh, forms of creation and so on. Tawheed is that you worship one, the one who's behind all of this, orchestrating the whole act, okay? and the whole drama, and the whole movie. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now you see Allah is saying that uh, he is the one who gives you forms, and he fashions you, he designs you. Uh, another meaning of the word taswir is to not only the fashion and form, but also design. So Allah's design is so unique that you're always impressed with you. <laughs> MashaAllah, everybody loves preening in front of the mirror. Mm. Uh, MashaAllah. Which is okay. When you read the Dua of the Prophet then it's okay. Allah <laughs> kamah The Prophet ﷺ, if he ever looked into a mirror, would say, just as Allah, just as you have beautified and created my form in the best way, then beautify and decorate my inner character also. That's the dua you read when you look into a mirror. That's the sunnah. So the Prophet ﷺ is recognizing that his face, Mubarak, is beautiful. But then he says to Allah, Allah, make my inner beautiful, just as you have made my outer beautiful. That's the way a Muslim looks, at his form. So Muslim, no, no, he's not there pre, no, 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 no. He's not the. You're not the one that designed your face. You're not the one. Maybe if you have, God forbid, plastic surgery, <laughs> you can thank the surgeon. But otherwise, Allah is the one who does all this for you. All right? Allah designed you, designed your face that when you look in the mirror, you are pleased, Alhamdulillah. So instead of saying, Alhamdulillah, the Prophet said, okay, let's take this one step further. And that is, خلقي خلقي. Just as you have decorated, beautified, and perfected my outer form, face, and figure. Likewise, beautify and decorate and perfect my inner moral behavior and character which is the true form with which you will be resurrected on the day of judgment. You will be resurrected in the form of your khuluq, not your khalq on the day of judgment. It will be according to who you are inside that you will see your face. Um, so that's what the Prophet ﷺ is looking forward to Accept, uh, accepting the, the, the truth and the, 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 the reality that Allah has given me, alhamdulillah, such a nice face. And we are grateful for that. But alhamdulillah, there is not enough. You have to go beyond that, alhamdulillah, and look into your inner and see that your soul is also just as good as the face that you have. Does the the soul match your face? And does the face match your soul? Transparency, as I said earlier, in Islam is necessary. Your inner and outer uh, must correspond with each other min uh, tayyibat And then more than that, he has given you risk and food from the good things, okay, the good things of life, which now we're looking into, unfortunately, the cost of organic food uh, is so high that we can't afford to eat the tayyibat, the good things. Okay? Otherwise, naturally, before, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, we all had tayyibat. <laughs> Nothing was GMO-designed, <laughs> right, and distorted and corrupted. And so everything was natural. Everything was superb and tasty, and everything else, mashaAllah, alhamdulillah. So Allah has now given you food from the good things, from the halal and pure, the tayyibat. <coughs> this is also ni'mah from Allah, Subhanahu Taala. How he gives you risk, that's another process. The human being who's reading this must now understand Allah is Razak. how does he provide risk? So you must sit and go through the steps of how Allah provides rizq. Okay. First of all, the seeds okay, and the animals from which you get your risk. where did they come from? And then after you do that, where did, how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create the rain? And how does the rain affect the plant and the seed and how does the seed grow? And who does all the plowing and the tilting and who does all that uh, before it comes to the mill and the market? And then how does that come to your table? And how do you cook? And then how do you eat? The razaq uh, must be understood from uh, from the beginning to the end. Not just the end. Okay? Otherwise, you want to appreciate So, yeah, yeah. The food comes to your table, you eat it. Bismillah. Alhamdulillah. wa saqana. So even there Islam is part of it even with your risk of eating, you have to submit to Allah Allah is the one who gave me this meaning that there's no difficulty for you to eat but you look at what happened before all this came to your table it might have taken 3000 years to get to your table Look at the rain and the plants and the seeds and the animals and all of that. Only Allah knows. That is what the Muslim Hokama said, that it takes 3,000 years for you to eat a bread from beginning to finish in the process of the earth's life. How they worked it out, I don't know, but you can work it out. You might go 5,000 years, I don't know. But a piece of bread comes to your table, takes time to come to your table, who does all that? That is Allah. Okay, the piece of meat that comes to your table. Who brought it to you from beginning to the end? Who is there to supply that to you? How long did it take uh, for this uh, phenomenon to occur in front of you? Huh? Yeah, so that's why uh, you have to think about this. this doesn't, وَرَزَقَكُمْ مِنَ الطيبة, That He now gives you risk from halal and ta'ib. Okay, that's great, we should eat طَيّب. <laughs> that's not the reason for the ayah. That's not the reason for the. The reason for the ayah is for you to think about Razaqakum. He is the one who gave you risk, so you are the recipient of his risk. How did he provide it for you? So sit down and think. How does Allah provide the piece of bread that comes to my table? Uh, from start to finish, then you'll be amazed at the processes through which you are then saying, after you eat it, Alhamdulillah. You can't say Alhamdulillah without appreciating the process. You must appreciate the whole process uh, by which and through which Allah gives you rizq. at Tayyibat, that's that secondary of good things mean that that's the hukum, definitely, then you must eat the and halal and pure, but you must appreciate the you must appreciate the one who's providing you. And he does not provide you with for your and it happens. He provides you with the system of the earth and the heavens. And then the earth and the heavens, when they combine together, they produce, and they create, and then they deliver. And all of that. So that that is something for uh, you to do with your children, you to do with yourselves. And say okay just think of this as a project for the family. That how many steps did it take for the bread to come to my table? You'll spend two hours then, and then you'll enjoy the piece of bread. Then you can say Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's not that you stuff yourself, you stuff your face. They say Alhamdulillah, I stuff my face. That's not the point of this ayah. The point of this ayah is for you to appreciate. Razakakum. He provides for you. He gives you risk. Understand him. Understand Allah's act. Dhalikum Allah Rabbukum. Again, Allah then says, This is your. This is for you, your Lord. Dhalikum. Referring to you. Allah, your Lord. Allah, this is your. This is Allah, your Lord. Okay. Allah is the one who is doing all of this now. uh, He has given you a place on earth uh, where you can live and work and exist, number one, number two. Then he has given you such grace and beauty that you don't need to look over your shoulders uh, and you are happy with who you are, you should be. And then thirdly, he has given you everything by which and through which you can not only survive, uh, but also enjoy life. min That That is Allah, your Lord, in that sequence. Hmm. So you see now, when you read these ayat, the love for Allah increases, okay. and your love for Allah's creation increases, and the love for Allah's processes, uh, they are appreciated, and then you understand how not to exploit them. Hmm. Then you understand how to regulate them. At the macro level so this is the micro level and at the macro level at the macro level you see that if you're in government if you're in um, uh, positions of authority that you do not exploit and you don't monopolize and you provide for everybody then you are uh, understanding how allah is your lord the one who takes care of you for everything so so great and huge and high and lofty is allah Tabaraka means high and lofty. It's a verb. Allah is most high and most lofty. That's where you get the word baraka. From the word tabaraka. So Allah is very high and very lofty. Above and beyond the arsh. That He does not need to do this because He is high and above any need. Why is He doing this? Rabbul alameen. Because he is the Lord of the worlds. Allah regulates and controls all the worlds, whether there's this world, the world of the jinn, the world of the angels, or the world of the spirits, whichever world you are living is, this world, or the barzakh, or the akhira, or jannah, whichever realm and world, there is, Allah is the Lord of that world, al alamin So he regulates and he controls and then he arranges his command this way. So he is very high and lofty. He is not in need of anyone, but despite that, he brings in tremendous barakah through his creation and through his rububiyah and through his being who he is. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now Allah is saying to the believer that you must see Him for who He is, but you won't see Him until you actually think about it. So the Quran's imperative that you must think, and so on those who reflect, and those who have akal and those who understand. So that is a process, it's not an event, that you just don't simply read one ayah and then move to the next. You have to take time, half an hour, one hour, and just think about what Allah is saying. Once you start reflecting, then you develop what's called aqal, a divine-inspired understanding of creation. There's a science-inspired understanding of creation, or phenomenon, or whatever it is, even though it's all very limited. But there's a divine-inspired understanding of creation, and there's a a world of difference between the two. Because the divine-inspired understanding of creation will never allow you to be destructive, whereas the other one will make you destructive, even if you don't want to be. Because that's based on the nature of matter, which is uh, finite, and which is to be destroyed in its essence. Huh? And the nature of Allah is that he is never destroyed, and he's always alive, he's always there, and so on. So the two paradigms are very different. So divine-inspired aqal comes through reflecting on how Allah creates. Not why, how Allah creates. This is how he creates. This is how he creates. So you understand the process. This is the process. And once you understand that it takes time and space in order for this to occur in front of you, it doesn't take time and space for Allah to do anything, but it takes time and space for the creation to come to its term. Everything has to come to its term, which is inherent in the word rabb and "tarbiya." The word rab and tarbiyah. Tarbiyah, as they say in Arabic, is is to bring something to its perfection gradually. That's what it means. Right? That's the definition that the Man is given. Bringing something to its term and to its perfection gradually. The Islam is a thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought Islam to its perfection gradually. From Adam and Noah and Ibrahim and Musa and Isa and Muhammad. The Islam of Muhammad came to perfection gradually over 23 years. So now the world will come to its perfection gradually. So everything is, is, is developed in time and space. So when you understand the rules of time and space, you understand graduality and you understand Allah's hikmah. Allah's wisdom, and that makes you close to him. Oh, I can't do this instantaneously. I have to do this through the process. If you mess with the process, then you're in trouble. You can't mess with the process. That's going against nature. And that's why science and technology is not really the answer solution to man's problems. The solution to man's problems is to appreciate who Allah is they made science technology a god so you worship science technology and this creation okay who is now the creator allah you worship allah and you appreciate the processes the methodology and the method by which he creates and then you may benefit from that but that is only for the sake of bringing those things to their perfection so allah perfected the apple there's no need to interfere with it, so that you get mass production. Allah has perfected the chicken. There's no need to interfere with it, so that you get mass production. <laughs> right? Allah has perfected the species before you came to the planet, or Allah already perfected everything uh, with which you're going to live. You don't need to interfere with that. If you interfere with that, you're going to mess up and you're going to destroy nature. You become destructive, so nothing is left pure anymore because you value money much more than you value quality of life. You don't value, call it طيب, something that has quality, you know, pure. So Allah is the one who wants to give you pure, but you say, no, I don't want pure, I want money. I want the of two trillion dollars. That's what I want. That to me is success. But having something which tastes nice and is nice and is good for you and your health in this world and the hereafter, that doesn't concern you. So now you've become a machine, basically. Nothing else. Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of the world, he regulates the world. These are the the, the, the laws of this world, what laws of this world, time and space, time and space, time and space. How long does it take for an apple tree to grow? Mm, This many years, three years. You want to mess with it and make it grow in one year? No. Why do you want to do that? Because we'll get more apples. Okay, what happens when you get more apples? Well, people will buy then more apples, and then what happens when people buy more apples? I get more money. Very simple capitalist formula for exploiting the consumer. So we, we have to appreciate that time and space has its own rules and regulations. Allah has created time and space, and in this time and space, he's created the earth for you, upon which you can work. He's created the sky and the heavens for you as a canopy and a shelter and a roof. And within this, there are rules and regulations by which you may then enjoy whatever Allah has created. This is the meaning of Rabbul Alameen, uh, the Lord of all the worlds. This is the one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in us, uh, telling man uh, that when they mess with Allah's creation, Allah's forms and Allah's, uh, uh, what do you call it, methods, and rules and regulations, then they're they they're not really enjoying life the way they should on this planet. So the kufr leads to non-enjoyment and Islam and Iman leads to enjoyment. Okay, but then when Muslims say, uh, appreciate all the benefits of kufr, I'm being sarcastic when I use the word benefit, there are no benefits to kufr. <laughs> Uh, All those things that we love about these systems. And we start saying, well, well, maybe we should do this because this sounds good, feels good, looks good. But there's no iman there. Then you have a problem. What I'm saying is Allah is the one who wants you to enjoy your life here simply because he said tayyibat. See, the Muslim philosophy of life, it should be tayyib, not khabith, not impure. Khabith is impure, tayyib is pure. So what does Allah want Muslims to do? Qulu minat Eat from that, enjoy the food and the clothing. But if everything in the world is khabith and impure, then how are you going to enjoy it? Meaning that this is something for us to ponder about. This is maybe everything that is flipped upside down? There's no, never mind the paradigm being flipped upside down. There's no paradigm. Period. There's only one paradigm, and that is to make as much money as possible, as much accumulate uh, and hoard as much uh, wealth as possible, and hara kumudakatha. So we see that Allah's father is still with us. Alhamdulillah, we can still think about these things. And if you get a critical mass, as I said, a hundred thousand people thinking this way, then there might be a movement to actually do something about it. But until then, uh, I would be happy if all Muslims appreciated that Allah is speaking to us through these ayat, uh, Allah, the Quran is Allah's word, Allah's speech, Allah is speaking to us through the Quran giving us advice and these are not my words, these are Allah's words, as reported from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba. That this is how Allah is speaking to us. He's engaging in conversation with us, and we're not exempt from guidance as modern day Muslims simply because we live in the USA. We need much more guidance than anyone else who came before us. So we must appreciate Allah's talking to us this way. Allah is talking to us. Now we must respond. How do we respond? We acknowledge our inability to appreciate Allah's creation. At least say that, at least acknowledge that and make istighfar and tawbah and then ask Allah through dua, by being humble in front of Allah, give us from the pure, though we are not worthy of the pure, but give us from the pure. That's the way a Muslim reads the Qur'an, that this is the way he humbles himself in front of the ayat of Allah, in front of the signs of Allah, in front of the verses of the Quran, that Allah is speaking to us uh, directly. The Quran is directly speaking to us. uh, And that's how we should respond with uh, humbleness and with dignity and with the niyyah, inshallah, to make things better. If the niyyah is there, things can be done. But if you're already a defeatist, then nothing can be done. No, you're saying we can't do anything. Yes, you can. This is a question of organizing, a question of getting people together, a question of understanding how things can change if people put their minds together. This civilization didn't come up because they thought nothing could be done. If it took 200 years to do this, I'm sure we can do something else another 100 years. But it has to start somewhere, and it starts here in the heart of everyone who's reading the Qur'an, everyone who's listening to this, inshallah, that people must make the intention we want to do things so that people benefit from what is tayyib, what is pure, and we should stop people from eating what is khabith and impure. Everything haram is impure by definition anyway nasul al afiyah allah gives us tawfiq to understand the quran the way the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam understood it and allah gives us tawfiq to act upon the quran the way the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam acted upon it amir al alamin wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi muhammadin